You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and man, I'm excited about today. (laughs) I'm excited about the football game this afternoon. Uh, I know if you've uh, listened to me for any length of time, you know that I'm a huge Tennessee volunteer fan. I love Tennessee sports. I have two degrees from the University of Tennessee, grew up in the university life because my dad worked for the university, and every chance I get, I'm definitely cheering on the Vols. From football, basketball, baseball, all of the other 20 Division I teams at the University of Tennessee, you'll find ranked teams, winning coaches, and athletes with potential to go professional in their given sport. You know, one question sometimes comes up is how do we prepare our student-athletes for the transition into life after their athletic careers? Because most do not go pro, as we know. So today I'm excited to welcome to the show Dr. Monica LeBron. She is the Deputy Athletic Director of Championship Resources. Hey, it's Jim Brogan again. I'm so sorry. Somehow we're having a little bit of a technology difficulty this morning. Uh, but at any rate, we have on this morning Dr. Monica LeBron. She is the athletic deputy director, or excuse me, the deputy athletic director of championship resources over at the University of Tennessee. She's worked in athletic departments at Tulane, Ole Miss, Georgia, Cal, and Florida before coming to UT a few years ago. She is a former collegiate athlete herself as a four-year letterman uh, and a starter on the Yale Bulldogs softball team. Good morning, Monica, and welcome to More Living. That's okay. Are you there, Monica? Yeah. Okay, I think I've got Hello? you. Welcome to More Living. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so sorry for the technical difficulties we had there at the beginning. Uh, but thank happens. you for taking Don't worry. time. Yeah. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Uh, now, when did you, you you move to Knoxville? What, 2016 to join the university? No, no, uh, 21. And so it's been about a year and a half now. So I'm I'm still fairly new, but uh, I'm in year two. So it's been awesome. Knoxville's been great. The university's been great. Uh, I'm loving it so far. So you came in as you were hired into the current role that then that you currently have. Yes, yes. So uh, Danny White, our athletic director, was hired in January of 21, and about three weeks later he brought me in. So, And you were at the University of Tulane. Talk about the tr- – is that correct? Yep, yep. I was at Tulane in so New Orleans, a- correct. So so uh, talk about the transition and what motivated you to join the University of Tennessee. Yeah. Um, you know, I had been at Tulane for about four and a half years. I had a very similar role. I was the deputy 
uh, AD there as well. I was overseeing football and a few other sports. I was overseeing um, all the external side of the house. And, and really, when you're at a place like Tulane, there's about a third of the staff. So, you know, I was, I was really in charge of all day-to-day operations. So I had a lot on my plate, um, loved it. But, you know, I was, I was extremely familiar with the SEC. Uh, this is my fourth SEC stop. I had been at uh, Florida, Ole Miss, Georgia, uh, and, of course, now, now Tennessee, um, and also, I've known Danny White for 20 years. We've been great friends. We overlapped in, in grad school 20 years ago. Um, and I've always believed in him. And, and when Tennessee hired him, I said, yep, Tennessee is going to be the best athletic department in the country. And so when he invited me to come, I thought, well, gosh, why wouldn't I want to be one of the architects that helps us get to be the best athletic department in the country? So it was a no-brainer. As soon as he asked, I, I said, absolutely, I want to be a part of this. And, uh, and I'm grateful that I'm here. Well, that's great. Yeah, UT's a, an interesting and unique place, I think. Do, do you, like in a year and a half here, do you find it to be somewhat more of a fishbowl even than a Georgia or a Florida or an Ole Miss? I mean, is it different? Is it unique? Is it similar in the the passion of the fans? How would you compare and contrast? Yeah, I, I would say I'm grateful for those, those past experiences because it certainly prepared me, but yeah, no, I, I mean, there's no other fan like a Tennessee fan, and, and we are so blessed to have the passion and the energy and the support that comes from Ball Nation. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd put them as the, the best fan base in the country, um, and there's a lot of them. And, and certainly when you're, when, you're, when you're doing great things, uh, you know, it, it, I'm grateful to have their support. They're they're going to be there every step of the way. So so we're grateful to have them. Oh yeah, it's a great fan base for sure. Like I said, I grew up in the in the Tennessee community because my dad was general counsel over at the University of Tennessee for 25 years, and so I kind of wow. grew up in it. And then of course I have an undergraduate and an MBA from UT, and so it's just been something I've been around all my life. Now. Now, Monica, you were a softball player at Yale for all four years mm-hmm. of your undergrad. Can you talk a little bit about balancing what it's like to be a student athlete at a at a college or university and how you balance the demands of your time with all the training, both mentally and physically, and then all the study? And then, of course, you're at Yale which is quite impressive with that, your academic background. Can you just talk about balancing that and how challenging it is? Yeah, you certainly have to stay focused because um, it, it's easy to get distracted. First of all, I, I always want to remind 18 to 22-year-olds, in addition to all your responsibilities, you're supposed to have fun too. So you never want to lose sight of that. Uh, and balancing it can certainly be a challenge. I always said that I was probably – 10 times more focused and disciplined in season because you have those constraints placed. You have to go to practice. You have to go to weights. You have to go to your games. And so I, I, I ended up being a better student usually in season because I was more focused and more structured. Uh, and so I always appreciated that, um, having that. But, you know, we also thankfully and gratefully were at a place like Tennessee where we have – an unbelievable amount of resources to help the student athlete have the best experience possible. So, you know, when it comes to the Thornton Center, our academic center, our student athlete support, um, mental health support, 
you know, we, we provide the resources necessary for the student athlete to have a great experience. And again, we, we strive for, for being the best and, and for that greatness. So we want to make sure they, they have that support and, and that we're constantly asking them what they need too. So uh, yeah, it's certainly a balance. It's not for everyone, but if you can be a student athlete, I, I would, I would hire you in a heartbeat because it, it just means you have a, a certain level of, of work ethic um, and drive that, that is just really uncanny. So do you think, or how do you think your experience having been an athlete and balancing all that, how's it influenced how you make decisions on the administrative side of the sports programs? Well, certainly, I mean, I've been out now 20 years, but I, I like to think that I, I still know what it's like and, and, so we have to keep um, the student-athlete at the forefront of every decision that we make. But I also love to be able to sit down with student-athletes and, and say, I am proof you can do this. You know, it, yes, yes, it's hard. Uh, if, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Uh, so, yes, there are going to be times where it's going to be hard, but you can survive this. And we are here to help you. But we can't help if we don't know. So use your voice. Ask for help ask for guidance, you know, lean on your teammates and your coaches and the support staff. Uh, but that's what we're here for. And, and again, I, I've walked their shoes, so um, I know what it's like, and I can continue to encourage them uh, to say, you can do this. You're going to make it. We're visiting with Dr. Monica LeBron. She's Deputy Athletic Director of Championship Resources for the University of Tennessee. When we come back, we're going to dive into – her actual role with football and basketball and some of the other great things that are going on over at the University of Tennessee and how they help prepare athletes, student athletes, for the transition to life after athletics. So stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and again, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, you can also catch all of our shows podcast online if you go to brokenfinancial.com and click on radio. Uh, you can catch all of our shows, uh, as well as our dollars and cents segments uh, and our retirement minute. We're visiting this morning with Dr. Monica LeBron. She's Deputy AD of Championship Resources over at the University of Tennessee. So we're talking about UT sports. It's a great time to get into that. As you, uh, many of you know, that I, my blood bleeds big orange, and as we're getting into the the second week of the football season. I know everybody's excited. It, it, the, the, the whole city of Knoxville, Monica, really transforms, I think, when we get into football season. And I, it, it's unbelievable to me how the mood of the town can be impacted uh, in the fall by the football team. Have you ever seen anything? I mean, I, I would imagine it's kind of like that in college towns like Oxford, Mississippi, and Athens, Georgia. But uh, tell me, I mean, was it was it a surprise, or is it was it kind of like what you expect, had expected at other SEC schools? I had just started working at the University of Florida, and it was my first SEC contest of any kind was Florida at Tennessee. Um, me and a, a couple other 
interns and entry-level staffers got in the car and drove the eight hours. We couldn't wait to get to the game. It was an 8 o'clock kickoff, so as, as you know, um, you have all day to prepare. Um, and here we come in with our Gator gear, and, and the, the Gators were winning pretty much the entire game. Um, and, in fact, the, the Tennessee kicker had, had missed an extra point. They're down by two. Um, and with, I don't even know, uh, maybe a minute, minute and a half left, uh, he kicks a, a over 50-yard field goal to, to go up one, and, and Tennessee wins the game. It was, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. The stadium was packed. And I knew then in 2004 that Knoxville and the University of Tennessee was just different. And, and so, again, to, to have the opportunity in 2021 to join forces and, and to be a part of this um, amazing institution, amazing fan base, uh, I knew I had to. I had to take the opportunity. So yeah, no, it, it's different. It's a little bit different here. That's for sure. Monica, your co-lead sport administrator duties for both the Tennessee football and men's basketball program. So, what are your responsibilities for these two huge programs and crowd drawing teams? Yeah, you know, whenever uh, uh, my teammate Cam Walker, he's is another one of our deputies, and I, we share the responsibilities, and we talk to the team to kick off each season. And and what we remind them is, look, we are an extension of the support team of this program. You know, we're here to ensure that you have the best experience possible as a student athlete. So whether that's talking about internships whether that's life after sport, whether you want to just talk about your sport, whether you have some personal stuff going on and, and you need someone else, it, it, you have your coaches, you have your trainer, you have strength coach, you have your academic advisor, you have all these people helping you, and then you have us, the sport administrator. So we want, to, we want the student-athlete to know we're here for them, but then we also want the coaches to know, look, we want you to compete at the highest level. Your job is to make sure our kids graduate and to compete at the highest level and, and strive for championships. So what do you need in order to accomplish those goals? And, and they have to, we have to have open lines of communication, and, and that means you can't just show up when you need something. you you got to show up for them, you know, at any given practice or, or you know, on road trips and, and get to know them and, and what their needs are so, so you can support them at the highest level. There seems to be a more organized um administrative focus on things like mission, core values, uh, vision statement. Uh, since Danny White got there, I think the vision is is more clear with what I see. I'm, I'm looking right now here, Monica, at the core values for the athletic department. And there's a few things on here. Academic success, of course. Inclusive mm-hmm. preeminence, honesty and integrity competitive excellence, and to me, I see a, a, a commitment to excellence in more ways than just on the athletic field, holistic health and well-being and the power of all nation. Can you talk a little bit about the development of these core values and how it permeates the organization? Yeah, you know, it can't just be about wins and losses. It just can't. I, I, I go back to we're, we're – preparing and developing holistic human beings and and you want them to be more than just 
a win or a loss. And you want them to know that we value them as more than just what they can do on the field. You know, more, more, a higher percentage will go pro in something other than sports. So how are we preparing them for life? And, and so you have to, you have to care about more than just the wins and the losses and, and academics. I, I would, I would never work at a place where, where academics don't matter. I mean, it's, it, you will use your degree. You will use your, your critical thinking skills as you continue to go through life. And so it's, it's on us. It's our job to prepare them for that. And yes, also care about winning. I mean, I, I'm, I'm as competitive a person as you'll ever meet. I want to win at everything I do. But in addition to winning on the field, I also want to win in the classroom. I want to win socially. I want to win, you know, as it relates to my community and, and how I'm giving back to it. So, you know, I want, I want our student athletes to strive for greatness in everything they do and have a passion for everything they do, not just about winning and, and striving for champions. Yeah, and I think that has to start at the top uh, at the athletic director position, and then I think it has to start at the top with every head coach that they're committed to, to all of those things and not just winning on the field. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to get into the the whole – we'll get maybe into the next segment, Monica. We'll get into kind of the whole amateur and the what that really means, but then also the evolution with this new name, image, and likeness. Uh, But before we get into that, let's talk about a few more things that are going on at the university. Uh, You released, Tennessee Athletics released the Rise Glorious strategic campaign, and some of those goals include increasing the operating budget and championship resources. So what are some of the priorities outlined in this plan? Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's dollars and cents. It's pretty simple. The, The more money we have, the more money we can put right back into the program. And, and that's ultimately, you know, when we talk about when Tennessee was at its greatest, it was leading the charge in everything. And so, you know, having a, one of the biggest budgets is, is a piece of that. We have to be leading in the country. We can't expect to compete with the likes of Ohio State and some of these bigger programs if we don't have the financial backing. And so that falls under our external relations unit. We, we have to raise more money um, from a fundraising standpoint. We have to sell more tickets, you know, to, to create the, the um, financial support in that sense. We have to sell more sponsorship. And as we continue to generate the, that revenue, we will be able to increase our budget to $200 million plus. So uh, it's, it's a daunting task. It's a, it's a lofty goal. But, again, I, I didn't come here to – uh, to rest on any laurels or, or to be complacent. We we wanted to be a part of Tennessee to make it the greatest athletics department out there. So um, we're working hard every day to do that. How does that budget compare to some of the other top SEC programs? Uh, we're, we're middle of the road. And, and you know, I, I hate to say that out loud because, Tennessee shouldn't be middle of the road in anything. We should be leading the way. We have every piece necessary to be the leaders in this conference. So that's, that's again, that's why we came here. That's what we're striving for. Uh, we want to make the fan base proud in doing that. And, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. 
So when you say we're middle of the road, you're talking about the overall athletic department budget. Yeah, yeah. So uh, our budget okay. I think is uh, 165 million. So so we're we're maybe in the the probably the upper third, uh, but the low end of the the upper third. Um, and so you know we we would like to be uh, number one. <laughs> it's that simple. Sure. With conference expansion, um, I guess uh, that that's, that really could be its whole show is conference expansion and where college athletics is headed. What do you you know? We're looking at adding Texas and Oklahoma at least in the next two or three years. Um, at the latest, by I don't remember if it's twenty twenty five or twenty twenty six. But then we're also you know I know um, you know they also voted to go to a twelve team college football playoff. How do you view the changing landscape of college athletics? Are you concerned that it's becoming too business uh, and money driven? You know, I, I'm I may I might be the wrong person to ask, but I'm always going to be glass half full. I'm always going to be um, positive in in my outlook, and I'm so grateful to work in college athletics. And and you know, if you look at at the history of college athletics, there's always been something that forces people to think the sky is falling and it's going to ruin college athletics as we know it. And I just, I'm not one of those people. So, you know, whatever, whatever does come our way, whether it's name, image, and likeness or the transfer portal or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to adjust accordingly. I'm going to welcome it and I'm going to try and educate myself as much as I can. And then again, put all my focus on the student athlete and how I provide them the best experience possible. So uh, I, I can't say I, I worry about it just because I'd rather focus on the, how great it is really. Well, I will say as a fan, I'm very excited about some of the changes that are coming. Uh, concerned about how NIL and, and the portal and all that stuff is going to be regulated moving forward and how it's going to, how we don't get an even more uneven playing field. So certainly concerns with how it's changing and how it's going to adapt, but very, very excited about some of those changes. We're visiting with Dr. Monica LeBron. She is Deputy AD over at the University of Tennessee of Championship Resources. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of these challenges with some of these changes we've been seeing with NIL, which is name, image, and likeness. How does that affect the university's ability to raise funds uh, for the athletic department to meet some of these goals. And, is uh, you know, it seems like there's kind of some competition there. And then we will not end our, our visit with Monica LeBron without a prediction from her for the P- Pittsburgh game today. So stay tuned. This is more Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're visiting with Dr. Monica LeBron. She's Deputy AD at the University of Tennessee of Championship Resources. So we're talking about all things Tennessee athletics as we head a little bit more into the football season. Monica, how crucial are alumni and donors to the success of funding athletic programs? Yeah, to put it simply, we we couldn't exist without them. You know, from from whether it's joining the shareholder society, you're a shareholder member, and we certainly thank you, Jim, for that. Uh, Whether it's joining shareholders, whether it's 
buying a season ticket, whether it's heck, just buy a T-shirt. You know, every every single thing helps us generate the the resources necessary to provide for our student athletes. So we we couldn't exist, like I said, without Vol Nation. Uh, we need them, and and we're grateful uh, for the support we 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 get every day. On name, image, and likeness, Monica, and you know, I know a lot of the top administrators in college sports, and I would, I think Danny White has been on record as saying something similar to what I'm about to say, is that there's a need to. I don't want to say regulate it because that's what got the NCAA in trouble. Maybe that is the right word. And they have to balance the Supreme Court decision to, you know, that when they passed the decision that said college athletes should be able to market their name, image, and likeness. Um, You know, talk about the importance of the NCAA and college athletics getting their arms around these changes uh, and creating somewhat of a level playing field that college athletics has always been built around. Yeah, you know, um, I, I certainly support NIL and and the student-athletes' opportunity to generate revenue on their own name. And, and so I, I firmly support that in, in every sense of the word. Um, I don't know, well, I don't think that anyone anticipated that it would be what it is right now. Um, and, and there really aren't any guardrails. And so, you know, I, I think, but at the same time, as, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a pretty positive person. And I, and I think that things always have a way of evening out. And so, um, yes, given that it's, you know, we're still, we're only into the second year of, of NIL. Um, and I think, you know, probably by this time next year, Things will slow down a little bit. Things will even out. The the um, market will correct itself, and and it, it'll continue to evolve. That's what we, as a staff, have to continue to just pay attention to is um, continue to educate ourselves. And um, if anyone tells you they know every single thing about NIL, they're lying. <laughs> so we're 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 learning as we go. Um, but we have to keep the student athlete at the forefront and just make sure we're supporting them. One of the things, Monica, that I haven't seen discussed much is the potential burden this might place on administrative departments. Maybe it has been discussed some. I haven't heard it much in the mainstream media. And here's what I mean by that. You know, we have these sports collectives, and and one of the sports collectives here in Knoxville has been named, it says Tennessee is one of the leaders in the country at using sports collectives where one organization raises money to then be able to pay current athletes based on being able to make appearances and send send memorabilia and things like this to the members. And then that's, you know, helping attract athletes, not really supposed to be able to recruit with that, but yet there's – I think the, the term guardrails was, was a very good word that you use, that we need guardrails. But what I specifically want to ask here is, with these collectives raising money to then pay these athletes directly – it seems to me they're competing for the same dollars that the athletic department is to be able to raise the funds to do what you're talking about wanting to be able to do. So have you seen pressure on balancing that with your donors, and how do you see that evolving, and is there concern in the college athletic world 
of how that is going to be reconciled. Yeah, I certainly have talked to colleagues at other schools, and and there is um, that level of competition, if you will. Uh, Again, I can't thank Vol Nation enough, and and I'm grateful for our donors, um, where it really hasn't been a competition. There there are certainly people who just want to give to the collective, uh, and then there are people who will only give to the athletics department and the 501c3 and, and know that it's philanthropic in its nature. Um, and, and, but then there's folks who can afford and will continue to give to both. And so uh, we, we are uh, quite grateful um, that, that we're in this situation, and I'm grateful that I'm at uh, a place like Tennessee that, that we have that um, support. And, and so, no, it, it hasn't um, affected us uh, per se, but, um, again, that, that's a testament to um, – to our fan base and, and our donor base, for sure. Yeah, Vol Nation really shows up. That's There's no question about that. I, I just was blown away by wh- the, what happened with Zakai Ziegler on the basketball team where they had the fire, you know, in his home, at his home in New York and the way Vol Nation stepped up and were able to provide his family with a new home here. You know, that would have never been available before NIL. But what was extraordinary was the way the university community, the Vol fan base, stepped up. Right, right. It was it was absolutely amazing. Um, certainly, he's a phenomenal kid, and um, and he is a fan favorite, and and certainly um, a favorite within our athletics department and the coaching staff, just with his passion and energy, um, and his love, instant love for for this university. So yes, it it while it was um, awe inspiring uh, to see the support, it certainly wasn't a surprise with this fan base because. Um, they they love their their vault and and they want to come to the rescue in any way possible. So um, I'm certainly again grateful for it, but uh, not surprised. When it comes to competitive excellence, which is a big part of the strategic plan at the university, you know if every team wants to do their best. Coaches want to recruit athletes to help achieve the the absolute cream of the crop, which would be, you know, first winning an SEC championship and then competing for a national championship. And in the strategic plan, one of the objectives is that each sport will win a conference championship at least every five years and that the athletic department as a whole will capture five championships in one academic year and average at least three per year over the next five years. Those are some lofty goals for competitive excellence. Uh, but when right. I look out on the landscape, so many sports are right there. I mean, basketball, college baseball, the women's uh, basketball team seems to be surging. The women's swimming team just won an SEC championship, and the men's team, I think, got second. Um, there just seems to be an awful lot of good things going in uh, on. If one thing's lagging, it's actually the football program. But, you know, I'm a big believer, Monica, that when we set strategic goals like that, you want to stretch but also be achievable. Do you feel like this is a good balance between stretching but then also be being achievable? Because that, that level of competitive excellence is is astounding if, if we can achieve that. Yeah, yeah. And, and just me personally, I'm always going to stretch myself and, and um, strive even, even beyond uh, maybe even what I think I can do. Um, but absolutely not. I don't. I don't think that it's such a stretch that we can achieve it. 
um, again, we're, we're providing the resources necessary to compete at the highest level to win those championships. So the expectations have to be there. The accountability has to be there. Um, and, and with Danny White, it's, it's always going to be there. So um, it didn't scare me at all. I'm, I'm always going to want us to set lofty goals. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that we have, um, and, I, and I do think we can get there. I think that's great. I mean, and like I say, a lot of the other sports are already are there. It's amazing how, uh, I guess, in the Learfield Cup, I think that's what it's called, the, kind of the all-sports Learfield Directors Cup. Tennessee finished uh, higher this year than we have in a while. Is that right? It, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, and, yeah. and we're not stopping there. We're going to keep um, trying to win that uh, um, every year and then, um, finish higher. We'll win the SEC Cup every year, and then finish higher in the Directors Cup every year for sure. Now, there's a lot of building and expansion of the stadiums. Neyland Stadium just got a, a facelift, and there are plans to do additional work every year. The women's soccer team got a new field at Regal Stadium. There are plans in the works to add to the baseball stadium. I think there's some talk of an indoor track and field facility. How do you plan mm-hmm. for these things and pay for these upgrades that are one-time capital expenditures? Yeah, I think it's important to uh, set uh, facility master plans, and, and that doesn't mean they can't shift and change and uh, evolve, but y- you, you have to have a roadmap for anything you do, anywhere you're going, or, or you'll just you know proceed aimlessly and, and with no direction. So. Um, we've, we've talked about, you know, assessing every facility and, and trying to figure out where they, where they're at, where, how they compare, um, to schools in the SEC and across the country and, you know, what needs immediate attention versus, you know, what can maybe, uh, get some minor adjustments and, and maybe something major down the road. Uh, so it's a, it's a matter of planning and assessing, uh, but also being able to evolve. You, you have to be able to evolve and adjust. Um, and and not remain complacent. So uh, and then and then the resources fall on, on our team on, on our fundraisers and our um, and selling more season tickets and um, creating more sponsorships partnerships and uh, generating that revenue necessary to uh, again provide the the facilities provide the resources to compete at the highest level. Monica, our football team's playing at Pittsburgh today. Um, I know yeah. uh, there's an awful lot of excitement because people are hopeful. Josh Heupel had a great first year, exceeded expectations for most, and there's a lot of excitement that we can kind of take another step this year and get on a good footing. Uh, do you have a prediction for today's game? <laughs> well, hands down, we're going to win. There's not even a question. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Uh, I'm um, I'm grateful to be teammates with Josh Heupel and, and the football staff. They're um, they're an amazing group. Uh, they're humble human beings. They work extremely hard and they support and nurture our student athletes, and that's really important to me. So um, I, I I wholeheartedly believe we're going to win this game. Um, I won't put a score on it or or how many touchdowns by how many touchdowns. Although I have said it out loud to other people i will not say it on the radio but um i do think we're gonna win and, and we're gonna oh come God. back to and oh we're gonna come well, back to and oh I'm, well monica i'm gonna go 41 to 30 tennessee 
41 to 30. That's my prediction. I've been been thinking about it all week, and I didn't make up my mind until about 10 seconds ago of what my prediction would be. I've been trying to decide seven points, 10 points. I feel like it'll be somewhere in that range. You mentioned Heifel, Josh Heifel. He seems more down to earth than just about any head coach I've seen in a long time. And it seems like you're echoing that. Is he that way behind the scenes? He just seems so down to earth. He is. And I, I think what I like most about Josh is, you know, he's he's always been a little bit of the underdog. I mean, he wasn't highly recruited out of high school. He had to go to a junior college. He then finds his way to Oklahoma. And next thing you know, he's winning a national championship and, and finishing second in the Heisman. So, you know, the guy knows what it means uh, to be, um, you know, sort of missed and, and, and not thought super highly of, and, and, and he likes to prove people wrong. So, you know, I, I like teammates like that that, um, that are willing to do whatever it takes to, to work their tail off and, and prove uh, that they have what it takes. And, and I don't know, he just has this uh, – he always carries that level of humility with him um, because he knows he's gonna he's gonna give it all he has um, to to compete and and to be competitive. So I appreciate I, I was an athlete and I appreciate other athletes like that and and certainly in the workforce I appreciate teammates like that as well. Yeah, I love that in our two biggest revenue sports, uh, football and men's basketball, we've got two head coaches that seem to have a level of humility about them and approach level of approachability that are very, very refreshing in a world that is not always like that. So I think that's a fantastic thing. Well, Dr. Monica LeBron, you've been very generous with your time this morning. Thank you so much for coming on in the, in a busy, as we head into the football season, I I know that you're uh, extremely busy. Thank you so much uh, for coming on this morning. Thanks for having me and enjoy the rest of your day. Go Vols. Yes, go Vols. That's Dr. Monica LeBron. She is Deputy Athletic Director of Championship Resources over at the University of Tennessee. When we come back from our last break, we're going to have a dollars and, our dollars and cents segment. How do you plan for the transition into retirement beyond the finances of the transition? Stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here at News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thank you for tuning in this morning to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We've been visiting with Dr. Monica LeBron over at the University of Tennessee Athletic Department. She's Deputy AD for Championship Resources. It's an exciting time of year as we get deeper into the football season. It is time now for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Planning for the transition into retirement is extremely important, and it's about more than just dollars and cents. The financial side of it is extremely important, obviously, but so are some of the lifestyle questions that come up. 
So there's been a recent study called Longevity and the New Journey of Retirement, and I'm reading an article here by Ken Celia uh, with Edward Jones uh, from a latest study with a company called AgeWave, and it talks about this transition. And I'm going to kind of give my own perspective on this. You know, in those 10 years leading up to retirement, and then as you get closer to retirement, obviously there's the financial questions like, you know, do you want to maintain your current lifestyle? What is your budget going to be in retirement? How much income do you need to support the lifestyle? And putting an income in place, it, it, income plan in place to support that. What do you need to do to catch up financially if you're a little behind? But also, what do you want to learn about life and activities in retirement? Because a lot, a lot of things change when we retire. We don't have the routine. We don't have the much of the social structure that we're used to when we're working at a job. And so thinking about the life and activities you want in retirement before you retire and proactively having a plan for that, especially in the first two years of retirement. In those first two years in retirement, there's a mixture of liberation, but also being a little disoriented. And I think it's important to create structure, to create some routine, and create social networks. And asking yourself, are there new things you want to try to achieve to create a greater sense of retirement? Then as we get deeper into retirement, you're then going to be thinking about, are you spending the right amount of time with family and staying socially active? You know, what are caregiving costs going to be like later in life? Um, how do you want to avoid loneliness and isolation? How do your living arrangements make the right, provide the right mix of independence and available care? So planning for that transition and then what your life then looks like is critically important. Thank you for tuning in this week to More Living with Jim Brogan as we visited with Dr. Monica LeBron at the University of Tennessee. Thank you for tuning in. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.